It's half past nine. during the war, especially when the Heinkels had been over during the night. The train was blacked out. The lights were dim. I was sharing a compartment with another officer, major of about 35. He was reading The Idiot. He smoked continuously. We spoke hardly at all. Just a word or two now and again. Above each of our seats, was a notice which stated, Idle chatter helps Hitler. But that wasn't why our conversation was so sporadic. We just had no curiosity about one another, that's all. I was going to Edinburgh, where my sister kept house for me. Perfect war carrying these blasty gas masks around, isn't it? <clears throat> I had just endured nine hours in a crowded troopship. For all I knew then, he might have undergone a similar experience. He said not another word for more than an hour. My watch showed me it was beyond midnight. Mrs. Brookfights of Spoon Street, Lakeside, Cape Town during the week, and she wrote to me about biotechs. She said, my daughter's gym tunic was very badly stained. With the result, she would not wear it. I decided to try biotechs, which you advertised, and I soaked the garment for a few hours, and much to my amazement, the stains disappeared. I've spoken about this product to my friends who are now using biotechs, and I'd like to say a big thank you for making this product available to us. Well, as I've been saying for a little while, Mrs. Brookfights and you other ladies, Biotex is absolutely marvelous when it comes to helping get rid of those very stubborn stains. I've kept on emphasizing that you let soaking do your washing. And you will notice that these stains just vanish by using Biotex merely by soaking overnight or for a couple of hours in warm water or pre-washing in your washing machine. It is spelt B-I-O-T-E-X. Stop here. Signals, I suppose. This will make us later than ever. Where are we? Uh, heaven knows the end of the world. <sighs> yes, I think it is the end of the world. I recognize it. Mm. Doncaster, I think. Should be 80 miles. Should be 80 miles. Rough, isn't it, catching a train that's half a day late when you've only got two weeks' leave? Hmm. Been overseas. 
in the port. Mm. Come. My regiment had retreated for four months through the Malayan jungle, only to be practically annihilated the docks at Singapore. I was the only officer left alive. But one didn't talk shop in those days, so we said no more about the war. Seen any good shows in London? Vatican State wasn't bad. Then I came off months ago. Did it? <laughs> Time passes. Does it? Oh. Oh. I see what you mean. Yes. Time drags on a train. I think we both went to sleep then. I remember I dreamt of cups of tea. It seems so long since I'd had a cup of hot tea. We just passed through Peebles. We should be in in about half an hour. Do you live in Edinburgh, too? No. But I used to. That's why I'm going there. You mean you live just outside the city? Uh, no. No, I don't live anywhere now. War's a ruddy poor. Made up roots, chaps. If um, you know where to stay in Edinburgh, my sister and I would be awfully pleased to put you up. Oh. Thanks very much. I should be glad of your hospitality for a night or two. Of course, uh, your wife. No, no. I'm alone. I'm not married. waiting for me at Edinburgh. She's wearing a rather chic hat, and the severity of her tweeds contradicted it somehow. Everything about Angela was a compromise. Her looks were striking. She wished to be the center of attraction, and yet she dressed so demurely that you would pass her without a second glance. She always had good legs, and yet the heavy brogue she always wore ruined the effects of the sheer silk stuffing. Her eyes were pretty, there was her mouth but her chin was too heavy. Nature seemed to have fought a bit over her, I always thought. She always had a good chest, but it seemed to embarrass her, because she was always determined to flatten it like they used to in the twenties. She never quite succeeded here. Nature fought back. Major Buckle noticed her at once. Couldn't take his eyes off her. <laughs> oh, darling, how good to see you. This is Major Buckle, Major Peter Buckle. I've invited you to stay this while with us. Hello, nice to meet you. Hello. By the time we reached the ticket barrier, I knew that Buckle wanted to get a lot closer to Angela and my sister than the two and a half feet apart of your handshake. I remember thinking vaguely that it would be nice if they could get together, perhaps. Angela had only had me to look after for such a long time. But I didn't dwell on this. 
It was wartime, and you don't think very seriously about anything in the future. Not in wartime. But it is very strange to think back to the events of those days. The events and their fantastic conclusion. If only I'd had the slightest idea of what was to happen, I could have spoken to Buckle, perhaps. But I'm jumping the gun. The next few days, after the arrival at Edinburgh, were, I think, the happiest in Angela's life.
It wasn't love. It looked dangerously like the imminence of marriage, though. the other day who believes this war will go on till 1950. And then it's going to end in a stalemate. <laughs> and Lola will also waste time then, won't it? Oh, look. Hmm? Poor Alec. Asleep already. Ah. Well, that's a good idea. Oh, yes. <laughs> Angela. Hmm? Will you marry me? Yes, all right. You want me to? Thanks. It's not a funny place to be called, isn't it? Lying down in a tube station. <laughs> yes, I suppose it is, really. Most defenders are those lying down. <laughs> the English are awful prudes, but those are horizontal. They're very daring. <laughs> I mean, look at the wind parks in there. Oh, um, yes, it would be nice. Mm. Be nice. When should we do it? Hmm? When? Oh, nearly. In a couple of days. They were joined in holy wedlock two days later by special license at Caxton Hall. I gave her away and Buckle received her. We were both slightly hilarious and a little drunk. Only Angela was serious. And now, the whole thing moved swiftly towards its odd, and I must admit, rather frightening climax. detergent poop formula won't wash off. It's detergent resistant. Rally gives sure wax protection that's deep and long-lasting. And the finish is fast, very fast. Johnson's Rally Car Wax in liquid or paste form. Soak, soak, that's all you have to do. Soak, soak, just for an hour to you. Fine, this is you use you Amazing new Biotex acts with a biological action to soak out the stubbornest stains and loosen dirt. New Biotex is great for all textiles and synthetic whites and colors. It contains no bleach. Get amazing new Biotex today and let soaking do the washing. Nice honeymoon. Tell your postcard from Brighton, won't you? Oh, please, sir. Couldn't Alex come too? Hmm? Uh, yes, why not? Uh, come on, Alex. Oh, but I've only got a fancy. Well, never mind. We'll just get up later. <laughs> 
That was that. I went with them to Brighton on their honeymoon. And we took one double room and one single room at... I forget the hotel. That first morning, I didn't bother to get up. I lay in bed reading until... Oh, must have been 8.30. Angela knocked on my door. Hello, yes? Oh, hello, Angie. Have a good... You're up bright and early. I want people to be here. Here. Oh, chatting to you or something. No. What? I forgot I'd ever so early. I've already had breakfast. I took a walk down to the beach. I thought he might have gone for a swim or something. He's not down there. No. Well, uh... Hey, I... I had an awful funny dream in the night. Did you? Hmm. What do you hear about? Yes. Not to. Got a fag? Mm. <coughs> oh, Tom. You? No, I haven't cleaned my teeth yet. Hmm, I know. I can smell your breath. It's all pale and pongy. <laughs> Where my husband's gone? Anyway, in this dream, I'd been out hunting. But instead of riding a horse, I was sitting astride a giraffe. We'd been galloping quite out of control through this forest, and every tree was on fire. Isn't that funny? Yes. I wonder where he is. Where could he gone? Probably for a walk. Hmm. See you in the dining room. But you've had breakfast, haven't you? Yes. I think I have some water. Look how hungry it makes me. Really. The hotel porter hadn't seen Major Buckle. The dining room staff didn't know where he'd gone to either. We went down onto the beach and had a look for him among the early papers, sporting themselves in and out of the waves. He wasn't there. Wasn't anywhere, it seemed. We went back to the hotel. It was getting very late by now. The porter again said he hadn't seen Peter. Said it in a very reassuring way, as if he took it for granted that Angela didn't want to see her husband. All of a porter thinks we're having an affair. You're afraid your husband will come and catch us red-handed. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I thought that might have amused you. Where the devil can he be? There's no note or anything. No message. Maybe he's been called up to London by the war office or something. Urgent business. Something happens every day. Chap in our regiment got called off on some secret mission first day of his leave. Well, maybe he did when we were out. Well, then there'd have been a message. Well, we'll wait till lunchtime, then I'll phone the club. If he got up very early and got the first train, he'll be in London easily by now. He's sure to lunch at the club. Hang on a bit. Let's go have some coffee. All right, Alex. I phoned the club, and when I came out of the kiosk, I shook my head, and Angela went to pack. She was now very worried. So was I, but with more reason. I didn't tell her that when I inquired after her husband... The secretary of the club had blandly replied that Buckle was dead. Of course, I made up my mind at the time that there just had to be two members with the same name. But all the same, it was a shock, I can tell you. Ah, oh, Captain McLean. Uh, thank you, Corporal. Uh, they rang from downstairs. Told me you were coming up to see me. Good of you to meet us, Colonel Hutchinson. This is my sister, Angela. Very good. Oh, how do you do? Very well, thanks. Thank you. Yes, we felt we had to come to the war office. Uh, do sit down, please. Thank you. You see, sir, 
If Major Buckle's been recalled to his units or dispatched on some mission, I really think it's only fair that his wife should be told, especially in these circumstances. What uh, circumstances? Well, uh, over on our honeymoon. We were only married yesterday afternoon. You did say Major Peter Buckle of the Black Watch? Yes, sir. Thank you, Mr. The Black Watch. <clears throat> well, uh, we'll clear this up, I hope. Uh, cigarette, would you? Uh, no, not for me, thank you, Colonel. Hmm. Don't mind if I do. No, no, no. of course not, sir. <sighs> Drags on, doesn't it? You're on leave, I take it, Captain? Yes, sir. Uh, drags on. Oh, the war, yes. Well, economics, you know. That's what historians tell us. Mm. They're wrong, the historians. Wars are not caused by economics. Not at all. Economics is their excuse. Excuse for war. The reason for war is that it destroys what we want destroyed. The status quo with which we identify our own inhibitions. War alone releases our personal relationships. Not a necessary evil, but a necessary pleasure. Ooh. Well, yes, yes, if we were honest, we would admit that all the horror, all the slaughter, the cruelty, suffering which war entails, remain for us merely regrettable statistics. What means something to us is that war provides us with that sense of insecurity which is life, when peace has seemed as respectable and as dull as death. Well, surely there are other ways. I mean, so? Oh, yes, yes, there are other ways. True that a drunken orgy might provide a similar release. It is rather difficult to remain drunk for several years. More, though, we can indulge ourselves without guilt. Indeed, our excuses become duties, and any behavior is condoned under the blanket of a great sacrifice which we curse publicly but uh, enjoy privately. Oh, thank you. Yes. National disasters can be borne with comfortable fortitude. It's personal sorrow, not grief for another, but a lack in our own life which is so unbearable. It's a burden we would put down, and there are a million men fall with it. Huh? Oh, yes. I don't know what to do. I mean, once you leave here, Braddock, it's going to be so ridiculous. I, mean, I don't feel as if I've got a husband. Wherever he is, he'll write on go. Please don't. Mm. Yes. Yes, I thought it was unlikely. There was just a chance that there were two officers of the same name and rank in the same regiment. As I said, there must be some mistake. Major Buckle has blown to pieces before my eyes six months ago. A mine exploded under his car. Very little was left of Buckle, but quite enough to identify him. The man whom you married yesterday must have been an imposter masquerading as Major Buckle. No, I'm sure he was genuine. I'd have spotted it if he wasn't. I'm sorry, Captain, but I doubt it. There are plenty of these people who pass themselves up as officers these days. You must trace this major battle of yours. Intelligence will want to question him. I suppose you've got a photograph of him. Uh, did he look remotely like this? Yes. That's Peter. That's impossible, I'm afraid, madam. If you have a photograph of your husband, you can compare it with this one. 
I'm sure you'll see that the likeness is only enough to justify the imposter in his attempt. Have you such a photograph? Marilyn. Yes. Yes, of course. We took several snaps on the picnic. Quite a few relics, my brother and Peter, on a picnic just outside Edinburgh. A couple of weeks ago. The film isn't developed yet. I've got it. Let me, as a matter of fact, carried around all this time. I've been meaning to get I think we'd better have it developed here. I gave the film to the Colonel, and then Angela and I went to a canteen for a cup of tea while they developed the photos. When we returned, the Colonel looked strangely embarrassed. Mm. Mm. Yes, uh, very nice, these sets. Your, uh, your brother looks quite a film star. Mm. Let, let me see. And Angela stared at the prince, and then looked at me. I looked, too, at the photos. There were six photographs of me. But there was no trace of any figure, however dim, standing beside me.